This is Product by Design, a podcast by Prodigy, where we explore technology, artificial intelligence, user experience, product management, and the philosophy of building products and companies. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle, and this week we have another awesome guest with us, uh, Evie Brockwell. Welcome to the show, Evie. Thanks. Nice to be here. It's nice to have a good chat about product. Awesome. Well, let me give you a quick intro and then you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. But Evie is a product leader who has gained valuable insights into what it was like to grow a PM career successfully. And now she's on the path to find the perfect balance between career satisfaction and life, all while consulting with huge businesses and continuing to grow in the product field. So a lot to talk about there, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, there's a lot a lot packed into a little bio. Um, but yes, I do work in the product world and I started my career working in products and working in travel. Um, and I did that for a few years. And then after the pandemic hit, I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. I was in a position where I wanted to take the opportunity to try and do something a little bit different with my life. So yeah, I um, started traveling, took and quit the job that I was currently working at, which was at booking.com and decided to start my own product consultancy, which was born out of a few conversations during the pandemic where I knew I wanted to go and do something different. And I was looking at things like coding, creating websites for people, trying to do that kind of thing. And I had a conversation with someone that kind of changed my path. And he basically said, well, you're good at what you do now. So why don't you just do that as a consultant? And I'd never really assessed that as a career option before. I didn't really know that product consultancy as an individual was something that people were doing. I'd only really seen full-time contractors. Um, and I was like, do you know what? I'll give it a go. And it turns out there's a whole world of us out there. So <laughs> it's a cool space to be in. Um, and it means that I get to keep doing a lot of the really good product stuff with different teams. So I think the beauty of doing what I do now is that opposed to, as opposed to being in the detail all the time, I typically go into organizations and work with them at a high level and assess their overall product maturity, where they've got gaps in their whole product process, um, where they potentially don't have the right knowledge or skill set internally and help them fill those gaps and give them the the right tools and materials that they need to be able to continue to thrive and do that themselves. That's a really, really exciting background. And I'm excited to talk more about it. Uh, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you like to do outside of the office and obviously outside of some of the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another huge part of what I mentioned at the start in terms of trying to strike an overall work-life balance. And I say I'd been pretty successful. So after the end-ish of the pandemic, when we were allowed to leave the UK, I started traveling. So in September 2021. And since then, I've visited and worked from 14 different countries all over the world. So I've spent most of my time in Central America, Latin America, and been able to travel around, experience all sorts there. Everything from learning how to scuba dive, learning how to surf through to actually being able to just go to um, Carnival in Rio, for example. So if anyone ever asks me what I get up to in my spare time, it's kind of those like things that are on everyone's bucket list that I've managed to take off quite a lot over the last two years. That is, uh, that's really awesome. And I, there's a lot of exciting things there uh, that you were talking about uh, with travel and uh, with you know, some of the things that you do outside in, in your travels, is there a place that you have found to be your absolute favorite or, or a place that just kind of stands out for you? 
Honestly, I think it's the trickiest question for me to answer because there's always so many, de- it depends. I would say the place that I felt most at home and most in love with overall for me was Argentina. Um, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. All of the places that I visited were mind-blowing. You've got, I mean, I didn't go to the beaches there and that's what I'll always say the probably drawback to that country is, but the people are the friendliest. Obviously, the steak and wine's amazing. The hiking in Patagonia is absolutely breathtaking so if anyone ever gets a chance to spend a bunch of time in Argentina I would highly recommend it (laughs) that sounds good um I haven't I haven't been down to Argentina yet but that is definitely a place that I think would be amazing to to visit so that's good to hear um yeah that's true Uh, quite a few mountains here and I did spend a fair amount of time uh traveling in Brazil so I know a lot about that country and uh, being at at Carnival and and all of those things. Uh, Some of the festivities are just incredible down there. It's absolutely beautiful place as well. Well, let's, you know, I I want to dive into more of uh, your journey, some of the things that you're working on. Uh, But, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, kind of getting into the career and then uh, realizing you know, kind of shifting to more into a consulting role and uh, doing a lot of the things that you're doing now, both uh, helping uh, companies, helping product teams, helping individuals, you know, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that journey and some of the things that uh, you were thinking as you were going through uh, both, you know, the, your early career and into what you're doing now. Yeah, so I would say when I started my early career, especially as a product manager, I was super, super, super ambitious. And I would still say that the same applies now. Um, But I found that I moved through my career quite rapidly from being a first-year product owner to switching companies and starting to work as a product manager at Booking.com to then getting promoted to a senior product manager and overseeing several different teams and different strategic initiatives. So it was quite rapid growth. And I think anyone that's working through that product management career will know that there's slightly different skills that are needed at each level. And it also varies by organization. So I found that I was constantly going through change, which was amazing. I was growing a lot um, and also learning a lot of skills about how to assess where I think my strengths are, where I think my weaknesses are, where I think I can continue to improve, where I need to fill my gaps and spent a lot of time doing those things. And I also spent a lot of time not just doing the product management role itself, but observing where we potentially had inefficiencies or where we could potentially do something better or where our stakeholders might be experiencing pain points in our process. So I feel like the biggest transition into the consulting world is taking all of those elements where you can always assess what your strengths are and what you're good at and where you can fill gaps and being able to observe where other people are experiencing challenges and help them to overcome those. So that transition kind of the whole way the whole course has been a fairly natural one but there's always been people that I've needed to not needed to lean on necessarily but I've always been a big believer in seeking for help seeking for advice getting feedback from different people to help me recognize and understand those areas um so yeah I can obviously touch on a few different areas there I know sometimes people want advice as to like how to progress their career in that kind of way or how to just handle it and balance it so if there's anything you want to dig into let me know 
Yeah, I definitely want to dig into some of those because I think that that having some of that experience, both coming from the individual contributor and the product manager role and and then growing through that into you know some of what you're doing now, I, I think that will be extremely helpful. You you mentioned and before we get to that, you mentioned, you know, one doing a lot of traveling and also having worked with travel sites like booking.com. Um, I'm interested in a couple of things there. You know, one, how you, did you have any key takeaways from, from the work that you're doing there? And two, uh, how has, you know, doing a lot of traveling and working for you know, maybe a travel company, how do those things uh, maybe help in some of the work that you're doing or, or I guess, what insights do you have from that? Yeah, both great questions. Um, in general, key takeaways for travel companies and for working in the travel world is that it's a very complex product to sell. One of the ways that I first described working in the travel industry, and obviously it depends on what you're booking, if you're just booking a local weekend away for two nights versus booking your annual holiday trip abroad potentially for the year they're potentially different methods of purchasing but it's probably one of the most expensive things that you ever spend your money on without being able to try it or really experience it beforehand so even if you're buying a car you can go for a test drive and people spend so much money on holidays and only have an idea as to what it's going to be like from either what someone says to them or what they find on the internet. So selling a holiday um, over the internet when people are going to be parting with so much cash is something that you have to take quite seriously and give them all of the information they need to make that decision about what's going to be worth it for them. Um, and I mean, I would say it's rare that people don't like holidays, but I know lots of people have different preferences. So there's a lot to try and get right in that online experience. Um, so yeah, key takeaways for a lot of the things that we would focus on is trying to provide all of these different kinds of people that have different needs, different preferences, et cetera, with the right information without trying to make a website overwhelming. So we often have conversations about the hierarchy of importance of different things um, and gain learnings, for example, how many people are clicking on different things that they interact with, how many people are using different filters, just as you would with any other product. But we always needed those extra layers of what do you display to the customer when they first land on the website and what do you hide behind different windows that people can access eventually without making that whole experience clunky? Um, so, yeah. And some other bits, like obviously things that are obviously super important to people are usually things like photos, being able to experience customer reviews, especially from customers that are similar to you, um, social proofing, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a few bits that are definitely, if you do this as a travel company, you'll probably do well. Um, but there's definitely so many different things that you have to incorporate in that world. That makes a lot of sense and and definitely been some of the experience that I found as well, both consuming and working on not travel specifically, but those types of things. I'm interested going back to, to kind of what you were talking about uh, with uh, not just working on this, uh, this product in particular, but you know, many of the products, what, as you were going through your career and, and as a product manager uh, doing this, what, you know, what have been some of the things that you have found to be the most helpful uh, both to focus on, from a product perspective, but maybe also from the career perspective, you know, what, what really helped you early on uh, 
and you know what could potentially help others as they're either early or progressing in their career? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say that early on for me, the main thing that I was considering and again this is through having conversations and feedback from different people is I thought I needed to get everything right and I thought I needed to be able to do it all and I had a natural strength slash tendency to be less detail orientated and be more strategic orientated and when I was starting my career I thought that was going to be my downfall but actually it that's what you have to do more and more as you progress that product management career is trying to get out of that detail and try and focus on the bigger picture and where you take the product and the direction next so it really was a strength and when you recognize those things about yourself and you see where those things exist the important thing is to accept that and acknowledge that but work out where you can fill those gaps so is there someone else that can focus on the detail you don't have to do it all yourself so are there members of your team whether that's engineers or someone else that works in that space that can really help to get those things accurate for you so you can spend your time focusing on where you really add that value um and that really helped me transition from starting off and thinking that i needed to get all of the insight and the detail to being able to move up to the next level i think that that's really good and something that i think is easy to get caught in at least in my experience as well that you often have this feeling of kind of like you mentioned needing to get all of the details or have literally, you know, everything mapped out or all of the answers and being able to take that up a level so that rather than being in all of the details all the time, you're in fact thinking much more strategically and much more broadly about the products that you're working on. Uh, I, I think that's incredibly, incredibly useful advice, especially as you're progressing up through some of the different stages from your know, early career into uh, eventually, you know, more senior positions and, and much more strategic positions, you know, kind of going along those same lines, you know, as you've worked with product managers or seen, you know, product managers in various teams that you've worked with or, or are helping, what makes a really good product manager in your view? It's not even that that's a tricky question. I'm sure you've seen the same as well, that there are so many different types of product managers that exist and being detail orientated versus strategic being technical versus non-technical etc etc there's a place for all of those types of pms but i think the thing that undercuts everyone and the thing that's important well (laughs) maybe three or four factors but the main ones in my mind are people that can continuously learn and reflect because that's the whole nature of product. Whether you're learning from what your customers are telling you, whether you're learning from the data that you see on your website, whether you're learning from the way that your team works or whether you're learning from your own experiences, that ability to apply that critical lens to everything that you're doing, constantly ask what's going well, what's not going well, what can you improve is a vital, vital skill and it will help you to optimize in all of those areas that you need to optimize and to succeed in product. Um, and then beyond that, being able to get all of those things out of your own head and work with people as a team, um, whether that's your immediate team, whether that's your stakeholders, whether that's your senior peers that you need to help understand the journey that your team's taking t- taking the product on, um, that's super important. I think a lot of people might be, not even a lot, but there's a subgroup of people that are excellent at product, but they haven't nailed that communication and bringing other people on the journey part, which means that things 
end up being isolated because as we all know, product is such a team sport. I say to everyone all of the time that I'm kind of useless on my own as a product person. I can't do the designs. I can't do the code. I don't really have a skill set that's going to deliver any value. The whole value is being in that being that person that ties all of the pieces of the puzzle together and steers the ship in the right direction. So you need to absolutely be able to do that and bring people on your journey with you. Really couldn't agree more that being able to pull all of those things together and, you know, really it, it, there's certainly like no one specific thing that makes a, a great product manager, but a whole series of different things. And especially depending on kind of the context and, and the situation and the team, but then ultimately being able to bring all of those things together. So it's just absolutely critical. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, and I think that's a great point that you just made as well, Kyle, is like, it depends on the team, it depends on the context. And I think some people will do it really well in one space, and then you still have to be able to adapt and do it really well if you transition to te- a different team or a new company, because you're working with people and they're all different. So yeah, check that out. <laughs> yeah, as in all things product, uh, it definitely depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested in as as product managers as, as people in product how can we find a balance as well you know we, we've been talking a lot about the you know some of the things to do and and some of the important parts but you know obviously there is a never ending list of things uh within product development in general to get done and you know people to work with and and things to discover how have have you found balance in in both product and life and how do you advise other product managers or other product people to also find balance and, and make sure that it is you know not just about uh, either the work or about one specific one specific aspect of the work all the time but really balancing all of these different things yeah and again it's a great question and i think it's something that as product people we have the tendency because of the nature of the role, but also the the nature of a lot of the people that take on that role is that we're always wanting to do everything. And we have such an energy and an ability to want to grow things that we end up falling into that trap of overwhelm quite a lot of the time. Um, And the things that I found really helpful were being a lot stricter on my time and my, my boundaries and also reflecting on the work that I was doing. So I often got into the place where I was taking on too much, whether that was just my own personal work or what we were trying to do as a product team. And it's the same kind of principles that you apply to a lot of product management that you can apply to how you do that role. And a lot of that is on having one set area of focus. So what I would do for myself and what we did in one of my product teams is that we turn around at the start of each week and say, okay, what's our one goal for the week? What's the one thing that we want to get done that we're going to focus on 100%? And there might be other things that come up and that's okay. You potentially have some capacity to pick those things up as long as you are doing everything you need to do to get that one goal delivered. Um, And that was a great principle for the team and for my own work. And then as you would in a retro, we were doing this a bit more frequently and less of a retro. But again, I applied it to a lot of my own reflection for the week and what we do as a team is just be really clear and honest about what went well in terms of did we hit the goals that we set for ourselves but also how did that feel did we feel like we were doing it in an authentic way 
Um, did I feel like I enjoyed the work that I did that week? Did I feel overwhelmed? Did I feel stressed? And asking myself those questions and then just constantly being able to make my own life a little bit better the next week. Um, so yeah, I think that area is super, super important. And then now the way that I look at life holistically, and I used to just be so focused on what I was doing at work. Now a lot of my goals, sorry, that's my own email pinging. Um, now a lot of my goals are based on what I want to achieve for my whole life overall. So instead of just sitting down and creating career goals at the start of the year, I sit and create life goals. So what do I want my overall life to look and feel like? What do I want to achieve in terms of my overall um potentially goals to do with how I interact with my family, goals to do with where I might want to go for that year. And then how can I make sure my career works in a way that helps me achieve all of those things? So for example, like this is obviously a clear one. If someone knows they're getting married and having a baby the next year, you might not want to be going for a promotion at the same time. But we don't always sit and explicitly think about our overall life in that kind of way. And since I've started to do that, obviously that's what's helped me create this more wholesome, healthy balance, I would say. I love that. I, I think you've hit on so many important points. You know, first off, really applying many of the same principles that we do in product management to our product careers and, you know, and to the work that we're doing where we're, you know, time boxing certain areas and setting up the right boundaries for work and uh our, our lives and other things, even within work, you know, there are certain boundaries and then really reflecting on, you know, what is the most important thing? You know, what is the goal, whether it's in the specific week or the specific product, like what is the thing that we're trying to do here? And then zooming that out to be, what is it that I'm trying to do either with my career holistically or with my life in general? And how does what I'm doing at work help drive that forward and probably constantly reevaluating and, and making sure that you're on track because lots of things change, but really having this much bigger view. And we talk about this in product. All, I feel like all the time is having, you know, the vision and then, you know, the strategy and then getting into the execution. And it's so easy to just constantly be executing and, and working and doing things without zooming out and really understanding what is the vision that I want for me or my career or my life? And then how can I best achieve that? And then what do I need to do to do that? And that I think it's such great advice and something that is probably we generally need to, to implement more. I know for me, you know, being in product, it, it can be consuming. And a lot of the times that's because of just the personalities of those of us who are doing a lot of this work is we want to do everything all the time, no matter what. But really being able to mm -hmm. set up like the right boundaries and reflect on you know what is most important. Honestly, everything that you've just said, I'm like nodding my head vigorously because <laughs> it all resonates a lot. <laughs> so I want to uh, zoom out a little bit as well in some of the work that you're doing, um, not just for product managers specifically, some of the things that you've done and are doing now, but for product teams and product organizations uh, in your work in your consulting and in, in your career, what have you found makes a really good product team or product organization? I'll start with product team and then I'll talk about product organization a little bit. But I think with product teams, a lot of the strong foundations come down to what's that team culture and that team mindset. And you need to have that mindset and those 
product outcomes clear in the first place. So are we outcome driven? Are we always listening to customers? Are we testing our own assumptions? Do we recognize those things? So having those those mindsets, but also having the tools and techniques in place that allow you to achieve those things usually mean that you do have out, an outcome focused um, role. You're always getting feedback and therefore you can deliver the best product because you're always testing and learning. So it's all of those. I think the best thing about being a product led organization is that you're following all of those principles where you're not just taking one massive bet. You're taking a lot of small small bets that prove that value over time that allow you to take the bigger bets. Um, So if teams are set up in that way, I think that's when they're most successful. And the way that they operate within that space, um, teams that I've seen perform at the highest level are the ones where they have, yes, roles and responsibilities that are somewhat defined, but they can be shared and they can be collective. So everyone knows where they're trying to take that product. Everyone can make the right decisions to change the product if the code's not working in a certain way to still achieve that goal, for example. And it takes the pressure away from someone being specifically a product manager, specifically a designer, specifically someone that sits in codes. You all work as a collective to try and get to that same mission, but you might have your own um, specialist skill set within that space, for example. Um, So yeah, that's my thoughts on teams. And then at an organizational level, um, and I know this is something that I was writing an article on product strategy the other day, and I came across some of your work, Kyle, just through through my Google searches. So that was really cool. So I know that you're keen on a lot of this stuff as well. But I think at an organizational level, it's being able to take that whole step back at a product level and have a really clear vision and direction. Know exactly what those big bets are that you might want to take and why. And setting your teams and your structures up in the right way that um, align the right people around those goals to allow the teams to achieve that. And I talk about those at slightly different levels at that organizational level and that team level. But for those teams to be autonomous and be empowered and be able to drive outcomes and listen to customers, that's all well and good, but they need to be doing that in the right direction, which is where the whole organizational strategy piece comes in. So if you can get those two pieces of the puzzle right and also look at things that are top down from those elements of the organizational point of view, but they still take in feedback from the teams and the teams can do this stuff, get that feedback from customers, get that insight and be able to feed that back and have that constant communication between the two. That's for me, like what the optimal product world looks like. I definitely agree. And that's awesome that kind of the take that you have on that one on something that we talk about a lot, you know, being outcome focused and really constantly testing and learning and understanding, you know, kind of like you mentioned, it's not about, you know, one massive big bet, but a lot of small bets and these constant, constant iterations of uh, being better and really shifting, uh, the focus from, you know, maybe in, in, at least in my experience from being very feature or output driven into, again, what are the things that we're trying to achieve and not just the list of features that we're necessarily trying to put out into the world, regardless of whether they add value or whether they you know, drive the outcomes that we're trying to achieve or not. As you've worked with organizations, I'm interested in you know, maybe some of the most common issues that you've seen or struggles that you've seen, uh, whether that's in organizations broadly or within product teams and product organizations. 
Yeah, I think one of the key ones is the point you were just making about so many teams um, still having the tendency to be output driven. And I was lucky enough to work at booking.com where I'd say it was the closest that I've seen any organization that I've worked with be towards that whole continuum that I spoke about where we're doing things in an outcome-led way. We're taking the right bets. We've got a strategy and seeing that done properly. And then I work with other organizations now that might have some pieces of that pie. They might be really good at testing and learning and experimenting, but they are scrambling together to find something to test and learn and experiment on because they don't have a strategy um, or other organizations that have a strategy that's amazing and they know a lot about their customers at a high level and then they've done ideation and transitioned that to features in their own mind and now they have a roadmap that takes the span of a year that they're continuously shipping features on with no time to take the feedback from what's working and what isn't working from those and optimize and really make sure they are driving those outcomes that they were thinking about in the strategy in the first place. So there's often one element of that spectrum that's missing, um, which is cool. It's good if people have one area that they need to focus on. But yeah, whether it's usually either there's no strategy or there's no ability to use data to get feedback and insight and um, take that forwards. Yeah, no, you've brought up a lot of really, I think, important areas where I know I have certainly seen many of the struggles and I'm sure just about everybody who's listening can identify with some of those things, if not most of them, as far as areas that uh, that teams or organizations can struggle in. So as you, you know, work with, you know, a lot of different teams, a lot of different companies, how, you know, how do you go about addressing, addressing some of these, you know, key issues or key areas that, maybe struggles and really shift teams or, or companies into you know a more product centric type of environment where you know they're able to address some of these issues and and grow into maybe some better principles and better practices and i mean first of all i would say that teams have got to want to do that i think it's quite hard to come into an area where people don't necessarily want to drive that change that's a whole piece of work in itself and there's still things product people can do in this space and I've coached people on how to do some of these things but if people don't have that mindset or don't see the value in doing things that are product-led it takes a while to build that data and build that evidence and showcase why you're gonna get better results from doing so but if people already have that buy-in then it's a case of identifying where in that process people currently have gaps and understanding why those gaps exist. So for example, if the gap exists in strategy, it's often because people are too scared to make the bets and say, this is where we think we want to focus, or they don't have the right insight, or sometimes it's just that they've never thought about it. So depending on what the reason is as to why that doesn't exist, obviously you need to solve that problem in a slightly different way. Um, And it's the same down the data end of it. It might be that actually the data is rubbish and you need someone to come in and sort it out as a data architect or it might just be that um, that the product people don't know how to speak to customers for example so it's often a case of there's something missing whether that's a skill set or a tool or just the conversation hasn't been had yet you mentioned putting together product strategies and product roadmaps and some of these other important things that we talk a lot about in your experience what makes a good product strategy, a good product roadmap, 
And what are some of the things that you either look for in identifying those or, you know, kind of help teams and help product managers and, and product organizations focus on, you know, when they're creating these strategies and roadmaps and, and other things? So on the strategy piece, a lot of that is around really having that longer term vision, which I think some businesses don't have in the first place. Um, having the North Star metrics so knowing exactly what success looks like to you as a business and how you're able to measure that is super important. And then being able to have those explicit conversations on what those big bets are that you want to take as a business. So which mountains do companies want to scale and where do they want to put their focus? And if you can get those things down on paper and be really explicit about what that doesn't mean. And with strategy, I think people have the tendency to just make it all encompassing still. So we are going to focus on our customers. And it's like, well, that's not quite enough because anything you do for as a business will hopefully focus on your customers. So it's like specifically what audience, in which market do they sit in? What do you mean by focus on them? Is it that you want them to be buying more of your product? Is it that you want to increase repeat customers? Like getting more specific on exactly what it is that you want to focus on to help grow your business, um, which has to come with understanding your customers, understanding the market, understanding where you might want to go longer term is crucial to creating a good strategy. So yeah, it needs to be not too generic. It needs to be specific enough and it needs to be focused enough. So if companies have more than five strategic pillars, for example, when you get to the product team level, you're still fighting because you're trying to achieve 10 different things and there's not enough resource to do so. So getting those parts right are crucial. And then translating that down to more of a roadmap level is a case of getting the teams to understand truly what those goals are, being able to map up to that North Star metric and understand what outcomes you can deliver that are going to help you achieve that. And then being able to create roadmaps that are less specific. So less like we're going to ship X feature by X date and more around um, being outcome led. So being able to say, yeah, we're focused on this outcome right now. And therefore, we know that we have these hypotheses and these tactics that should solve that hypothesis. And we're going to focus on that for the next quarter. That might mean at the end of this quarter that we're making really good progress towards that outcome. And we can still see that there's potential to drive that even further. So we'll have a conversation to say, should we keep working on that or move on to the next outcome that we might focus on? And this is the hardest part, right? No one wants that level of uncertainty. No one at a board level wants you to be saying to them, oh, well, we might do this. We might do that. We might not do that. Um, We've potentially got all these ideas. People often want strict, concrete answers. And I think that's the most difficult part about everyone that can sit there and that can say, oh, let's be outcome focused. Let's have a great strategy. Let's be hypothesis led. But actually doing it in reality is so much harder because of the difficulty in having those conversations and providing that certainty and creating that element of trust. Um, so yeah, that's often an area that needs to be focused on. <laughs> you, you've hit on a couple of things that I, I absolutely love. And you know, this first, this first one, the one that I, we were just talking about is uh, I, I think such an interesting one because, you know, in, in my experience, and it sounds like in yours too, you often, as you're creating roadmaps, uh, get a lot of buy-in, especially from, you know, the product team on, you know, being more outcome focused and really, you know, wanting to drive value 
uh, rather than simply deliver features. And you know that change has typically been, at least for me, uh, an important change as, as you shift that focus, but also probably like the easier one to make. And it's when you start to get up into like leaders and executives where uh, all of a sudden, you know, that may be great. You know, we definitely want to do that, but you know, where's the list of features and the dates that they'll be delivered on. And so mm-hmm. shifting that focus outside of the product team to, you know, we're not just, there is some amount of uncertainty because, you know, we're not just creating lists of features with dates attached to them that we're going to deliver. It's much more about the the value that we're trying to create and the outcomes for the business and our customers that we want to drive. And there may be any number of features that can do that. And so we're, you know, we don't want to commit to a year's worth of features because that really could end up defeating the purpose of, you know, delivering on some of the value that we want to do. So I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, how have you approached some of those conversations within the product team, but then as you start to get up into higher level executives uh, to, you know, maybe embrace a little bit of uncertainty in order to have the flexibility to create the right outcomes for, for the business and for, for users. Yeah. And honestly, it is the biggest challenge. Um, and I'd say I've taken mostly a twofold approach. So for example, if there's a business that is so set on, well, we want to know what features are getting delivered. It's like, okay, that's cool. But can we talk about the outcomes that we're also expecting to achieve from those features? So trying to change that conversation, even if a list of features exists, to be more outcome-led and then have those conversations and feedback and say, well, we delivered this feature, we wanted to achieve this outcome and this thing did or this thing didn't, helps people to see over time why those features might not be that applicable. And it also helps them to have that conversation in reverse to say, well, yeah, we thought we really wanted that feature, but actually now that you're asking us about outcomes, that isn't creating an outcome that leads to our overall strategy. So you've still got that clear list there, but you're starting to have that conversation. And then if you approach it from the other point of view, where you try and take the features all the way away altogether and start with the outcomes, which again, it, it, all depends on how brought in people are to this and where they're at in their journey. But if you're switching to be more outcome led, but people still want some certainty, it's creating that roadmap that basically says like outcome number one is X. And within that, we have these three hypotheses. And within each of those, we have these three potential tactics. And the further out you go in terms of your roadmap and your product thinking, the more vague some of that becomes because you obviously don't want to invest all of your time up front to define each level of detail there when you don't know what you might move on to. And often that still provides enough certainty of people knowing that you have a plan and you have options without needing to be specific to say, we're definitely going to do this one, this one, and this one. Um, But it's finding that balance about how much work do you put into that upfront planning and those conversations that potentially stops you from actually just going and doing the work and testing and learning. But it's, a crucial balance to strike. Yeah, I think you've hit on some really important points, striking that balance and then not necessarily shifting the conversation wholesale away from what people are used to, but using that, using those features, for example, like, yeah, we have this number of features, but let's take it up a level and talk about what we think these things will do and why, why we're working on them. And let's 
let's shift the focus a little bit away from, you know, it's just these three features over the next two months to here's the outcome that we want to drive with them. And let's focus, you know, yes, we're going to deliver these things, but let's focus a little bit more on what we think they're going to do and beginning to shift that conversation in order to eventually get to the point where it's, it's not always a feature led or a feature driven conversation uh, with the, whether it's product team or executives, but it's much more about what, it, what are the problems that we're trying to solve and then the outcomes we're trying to achieve. You also mentioned too, the idea of having uh, multiple pillars. And, and I found that one, you, you brought up some, some th- memories for me in that the more strategic pillars that you have, whether it's an organization or a product team or, or at whatever level, the more difficult it becomes to actually focus on any one thing, because uh, at least I found that every, you know, anything that anybody could want could fit into, you know, one of five different strategic pillars for the business or for an organization. Mm -hmm. And so you start to lose a lot of the value because rather than focusing, you know, having too many strategic options out there means that just about anything goes, at least in my experience. So how, yeah. have, how have you approached that and maybe helped focus rather than, you know, allow for here's our five pillars. And within those pillars, there's, you know, a dozen different things that you can do. And all of a sudden, like, it's pretty much, there is no focus. Yeah, exactly. And then it kind of defeats the point in the strategy in the first place. Um, and it's like an easy cop out, like, oh, we have a strategy, but we're still not quite achieving what we thought we would. Um, so yeah, that is often an issue. And again, like the how to address this and having those conversations and trying to prove that out and showcase that to people. Sometimes people need to fail and need to see that everything's chaos and nothing's getting done still to then shift and pivot. But once people realize that and people know they want to be more focused, you have a simple option, which is taking those five pillars and saying, well, out of these five, what's the most important thing for us? And it might be that something's more important to deliver within the next year because a certain mar- certain market is booming or a competitor is moving in a certain way. And therefore, that's the first thing that needs to be focused on. So you move more from this like holistic strategy into more of this planning mode to say, okay, well, out of those five things, this one's going to deliver the most impact and the most value now. And therefore, we should focus on this. And then what really helps, and this is a step that I think a lot of product organizations miss, which is where they end up in this difficult situation where they've got a strategy and the teams are doing things on the ground and no one can quite tell how those things are syncing up, is aligning the product teams and the organization to be focused on those strategic pillars. So say you have three, for example, and one of them heavily involves sales because you're launching a new product to market you can set up product teams and you can change the structure of the organization to collaborate around that one pillar. And by doing that and thinking about the capacity and the teams that you have, you're then stopping teams from fighting on priorities because someone's a dependency on someone else. And you're actually aligning people around those key pillars and objectives. And then that might change in a year's time, but you've still focused the organization in a way that's set up to really deliver the value on the things that you care about. Um, And often that's hard because people don't want to go through change and people don't want to have those explicit conversations about what's more important or politically, internally, someone might have different opinions. Um, But sometimes it's then a case of 
trying that and trying to move in a certain direction, you can always pivot. So like I say, and I'm, as with everything in product, like we said earlier, it depends. And I don't think any of this is necessarily easy. Um, but I think it's something that a lot more mature product organizations are trying to move towards. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you've you've touched on a couple of really, really excellent points and really finding the right priority or small set of priorities and then aligning everybody around them. You know, it's not to say that you won't necessarily do all of the things at some point, but what is the priority for right now and how can we align teams around that specific priority rather than having teams competing across multiple priorities and and like you said mo- eventually creating multiple dependencies on well we need this in order to do this thing and so you know the other team may have to stop work on what they're focused on in order to help the other team overcome that dependency and it becomes all of these things but it becomes much simpler and much more uh, not just productive but valuable to really align around that so i i think that that's a great point that you made thanks <laughs> um, what advice would you give for anybody starting out in product management or early in their career and looking to really um, move forward in it? Yeah, sorry, I was just still laughing at the fact I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Sometimes when you have these conversations, I find them amazing because it's like the more we bounce things off off of each other, the more I'm like, yeah, this does all really make sense, doesn't it? But it sometimes does just feel like this product, um, like optimal product world that we feel like we might never get to, but it is possible. <laughs> so yeah, I can go back to your question now that my brain's back in tune. <laughs> um, so yeah, what was the, sorry, could you just ask me what you asked me again, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I completely agree. It's great to have these conversations because it, I, I feel like there is this optimal place that most of us feel like we would like to be at. And obviously I don't think anybody is there. And so being able to just talk about what are some of the difficulties that you've experienced that I've experienced and how have you overcome it? And, you know, we, we know where we want to go, but there's often all of these different obstacles and things to overcome in order to get there. But it's, it's definitely helpful to talk. And if nothing else, know that we're, so many of us are facing the same challenges across For the world. Sure. That we're doing. Yeah, and maybe together we'll like all together we'll manage to solve it eventually. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what advice would you have for anybody starting either starting out in product or looking to really drive their career forward? I think the key thing is to take that time to try different things and reflect and understand where you thrive and where you don't want to focus. And that's important if you're starting out in product is to just try different areas and get as much experience as you can and learn from other people that are doing the role as far as you perceive it extremely well, um, which might mean switching organizations or stepping into a different product team or working on different kinds of products. And then as you progress your career, it's that same principle where you're constantly going to try things and you're going to see where you're succeeding and where you're not succeeding. And I think as the underlying thing that we've spoken about in a lot of the conversation just then about how to do some of these things really well is how to potentially work in different organizations and how to influence people to do things better. Um, And that's a key skill to learn. So if you can really start to practice that influential skill, then I think you really start to drive a lot of the change that 
you might want to see as a product person. I, I couldn't agree more. I think experimenting across a number of different things and, and really getting to understand the, the role, the different ways that can be done. And like you said, the things that you really enjoy and thrive at and the types of uh, places or teams or organizations where you can really thrive in the right way. Uh, because not every, not every person is meant to do this, the same type of work or really thrives in, you know, certain type of types of environment, but can really thrive in, in others. And so really broadly understanding it, trying out a lot of different things, and then getting to understand where it makes the most sense that you can add value, I think is so important. Uh, Evie, with that, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Um, I'm interested if there's anything, any final thoughts that you have on anything that we talked about or maybe didn't get a chance to talk about. No, I really think we touched on so many deep and really helpful subjects. So yeah, nothing new to add there, but thank you for probing and asking the questions and giving me all of your insights as well, because I found this super, super insightful and it's given me a lot of clarity and really helped for both of us I think to bounce off each other and really go yeah this is how things should be done well um we know it already but it's just touching like you say on those difficulties sometimes and why we don't necessarily do those things and what we can do about that which is really helpful yeah absolutely well I've got two kind of final questions for you that uh, are a little bit more casual uh but before we kind of wrap things up uh where can people find out more about you about uh, what you're working on and you know potentially get in contact with you if they're interested in more yeah so the best best place to visit at the moment is my linkedin profile so you can find me as evie brockwell um i would say i'm currently redoing my website but that's been the case for about a year so i won't make any promises there so yeah stick to linkedin it's where you can get the most up-to-date information perfect well we'll put the links in the show notes as well uh so evie i'm interested as we kind of wrap things up um, if you have read or watched or listened to anything particularly interesting recently that uh, you'd like to share, and this can be product related, but it doesn't have to be. So just open it wide up for anything. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, the book that I've been reading the most recently is a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And I would say it's a super interesting book because it's trying to put some science behind the fact that we can provide the energy and create and manifest our own outcomes in life. And I'm not sure how like far along this spectrum I believe these things, but I definitely believe there's a power in really taking that time to focus on what it is that you want and setting those outcomes for yourself and visualizing it and believing in it and allowing that to happen because I think often we self-sabotage or we're too scared or we haven't really even spent the time to really focus and think on, about what we want so how much the universe is making stuff happen for us versus how much our brains are then in tune and aligned or doing things I think is um, an interesting debate so it's super it's a super interesting book from that point of view but it's all about rewiring your brain and breaking some of those habits where you might have previously looked at things from a negative lens and allow you to change and do things in a more positive way in the future so not necessarily strictly about work it's a lot about life in general but I think it can apply to both so yeah it's a bit of a heavy read but it's a good one that's really good. I'll have to check that one out uh, myself and we'll also put a link 
some links in the show notes. And I guess final question, if there are any products that you have been using and enjoying or maybe not enjoying recently, it could be physical product or digital product. Oh, um, yeah, sometimes I forget about the physical lens when we say the word product, and I'm sure that's how most people see it. Um, no, the one that I'm really enjoying using again at the moment, and I say again because I took a little break from it, is the yoga app, which used to be called Down Dog, and it's now just yoga, I think. But if you search for it, it's probably Down Dog. But it's such a good app because basically you get to tailor exactly how you want to program your yoga workout. So whether that's for like 20 minutes or if you want it to be five or if you want it to be an hour, the level you're at, the type of yoga you want to do, whether you want to skip a warm up, if you just want to stretch. And it's all powered in a way that it then pulls, you can choose the music, the voice, and it's all powered in a way where you can watch someone do this live practice with you. So it feels like you're being guided properly through a whole um yoga setup but in a way that's super dynamic so yeah that one is super 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 cool that's great i'll have to check that one out as well i love the idea of being able to really personalize and tailor uh, those types of things for you because you know everybody's at like such different levels and you, you need different things at different times so I love that. The personalization I I think is just so great and being able to do that in a variety of different places, but it sounds like this one is definitely getting it right. So that definitely have to check that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. And it's like, obviously personalization is something that people have been talking about for ages, but the extent to which they've managed this is pretty impressive. So it's definitely a good one to have a look at. Awesome. Well, Evie, this has been an amazing conversation and appreciate all of your insights and loved chatting about about all of the different product topics and the variety of things because it obviously resonates with me and you as well. And I'm sure many of the people who will be listening. So really appreciate all of your insight. And it was an absolutely great discussion. Thanks, Kyle. Me too. It was great to be on. And I, like I say, I think there were some really great questions and a lot of great takes awesome. that you have on it. They've been super helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk again next time. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on TikTok at prodigy.co and on Twitter at Prodigy Co. You can also follow me on both of those platforms at Kyle Larry Evans. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter Prodigy at Prodigy.co. You can also follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans or check out my Medium publication Prodigy. Of course, you can check out all these links in the show notes.